Hi and welcome to the Very Short Introductions podcast. From creativity to slang and modern drama to psychopathy, we'll showcase a concise and original introduction to a wide range of subjects, wherever your curiosity may take you. So here is today's very short introduction. Hello, I'm Jonathan Green. I've been working on slang as a lexicographer, writer and broadcaster for around 40 years. My first dictionary appeared in 1984, the most recent, a three-volume lexicon on historical principles, that is, with illustrative citations for every entry, appeared in 2010. That, in turn, was moved online in 2016. And I continue to add the results of my ongoing researches every three months. The current count offers just under 145,000 words and phrases, backed up by more than 610,000 citations. My contribution to the catalogue of very short introductions was published in 2016. Slang, as made clear in the diagram that James Murray included in the introduction to the very first edition of the OED, is one more subset, just like dialect, jargon, technicalities and indeed standard forms of the greater English language. It has been collected since the early 16th century, even if the word itself, for meaning low, even criminal language, does not actually appear until 1756. With a conscious hat tip to the counterculture of the 1960s, I term it the counter-language. In other words, the language that says no. If it has a single unifying factor, it is in its underlying shameless subversion. It lacks politics, morals, true beliefs of every sort. As for the positive virtues, caring, sharing, compassion, as slang itself would say, coarse as ever, sweet fuck all. Instead, it is the linguistic representation of what Sigmund Freud termed the id, the unrestrained self, yearning for freedom and permitting no bounds on its self-indulgence. Its favourite topics include crime, sex and the bodily parts we use to perform it, money, drink and drugs, violence... Insults such as madness, obesity, stupidity, race and nationalism, men on the whole seen self-aggrandizingly, and women seen almost invariably through the male gaze, which, in other words, is those old dichotomies, the whore and the mother, the scolder and the submissive. Slang lacks a single term for which the definition is simply love. The word itself, where does it come from? It began life as a secret language, and many suggest that the initial S of secret and the abbreviated Lang of language serve our purposes as an etymology. Not so. The current best offer is that slang began life as a field measurement, graduated to a distance walked down a road, then transferred that same distance as walked by a peddler, and then the language spoken among themselves by these peddlers, often some way outside the law. Secret, perhaps, though what is secret these days beneath the internet's unswerving surveillance. But is slang a language? Unsurprisingly, slang has none of the rules, typically for spelling or grammar, that a language might assume. Grammar doesn't enter the picture, and slang's spelling is actually unexceptional, given that maybe 90% comes directly from mainstream English. However much those borrowed terms are turned upside down, inside out, and generally given a new life of slang's invention. But that does not make it a language. Instead, it's more a collection of synonyms, taking for their inspiration those themes I mentioned. A narrow waterfront, perhaps, compared with the general dictionary, but densely cluttered and very deep, 
5,000 plus takes on crime, 3,000 on drinks and drinking, the same on drugs, 1,750 for sexual intercourse, 1,500 each for the male and female genitals. Standard English simply doesn't need, and indeed hasn't created, that level of lexis. But why such a massive synonymy? It's secrecy again. If a term is coined in conscious obscurity, as soon as the, as it were, fog burns off and the uninitiated can see a word clearly, users must create a replacement. The themes, on the other hand, persist. Sex, unfortunately, is too often encapsulated as man hits woman. Fuck, its primary contender, echoes the slap of flesh on flesh. Many other terms of the same sort follow suit. Madness offers variations on not all there. Drunkenness on an inability to keep one's bearings. Every racism plays up the stereotypes that have been attributed to the target group. Supposedly new terms of the type are usually found as playing on those same stereotypes. Slang has always had a bad press. The gutter tongue, as if it had a physical home. Bad language, as if it could be subjected to morals. The first glossaries linked it to criminals, the dangerous classes. The first dictionary mentions talked of low language. It was a working class phenomenon and thus suspect. Rough people, rough words. Women were forbidden to use it. And if they did, we, the purveyors of standard morals as well as standard English, knew exactly what that must mean. The harsher variety of negative connotations may have faded, but they haven't gone completely. Today's euphemisms of choice suggest lexical eccentricity, even inventedness, rather than unfettered and thus frightening outlawry. But slang's absolution is not complete. There is, since the great coiners of Britain's modern slang have been African-Americans through exporting popular culture, and Caribbeans, through immigration, a thinly veiled suggestion of racism. How, after all, can the language of young black men be approved? The old canard, to use slang betokens stupidity, gets a new, and one might say nastier, twist. What next? Slang remains a linguistic constant. The concept of plus a change may never be so well illustrated. All those synonyms. And slang keeps on coming. The question for the lexicographer is whether or not one can actually continue to rein in the beast. The only excuse, no room at the dictionary, doesn't hold now print has been ousted by digital and there are no limits on a page. The problem of finding evidence is gratifyingly diminished too by that same online world which renders so much so accessible. But at the same time, the key is so much. Does any individual, even a team of individuals, possess the ability or the time to research it all. Everyone has a take on slang. Like it, loathe it, revel in its creativity, deplore its obscene excess. I can only voice what I believe. Far from being a welter of rhyming silliness, if rhyming slang once had some purpose, it's now best kept in the souvenir shop. And so-called dirty words, of which the core list actually only manages 13. Slang has a job to do. For me, and what has kept me so happily at the grindstone for over four decades, this is slang's most important role. It shows us at our most human. A concept, of course, that should never be equated with humane. Slang is what we actually feel and thus say, rather than what utopians or dictators tell us we ought to feel and say. To quote the late American comedian Lenny Bruce, everyone wants what should be, 
but what should be does not exist. There is only what is. Slang for me, and I believe it's many millions of users, is what is. I'm biased, of course, but in no way ashamed of my love of the words that have taken over the bulk of my professional life. And I suspect that I'm not alone. Perhaps it's the kind of affection that the family's less respectable relations pick up. You might not want them at the big occasions, but how much less fun those occasions would be were they to stay away. We respect standard English, of course, but we can't resist this most alluringly wicked of its linguistic siblings. No, I'm not advocating for anyone else to turn over their life to slang. After all, like slang, I have a job to do and I'm not finished with it yet. But it has so important a role to play in the way we speak, write, create and communicate that it can't be dismissed as a mere sideshow. So, if I have any parting suggestion, it's to look beyond the surface, the stereotypes, the four-letter words, the rhymes, the negative assessments, and see how important slang has been, remains, and I'm certain is going to stay. As they say down under in Australia, go for your life. Thank you for listening to the Very Short Instructions podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher to receive new episodes directly to your podcast feed. All of our episodes, new and old, can also be found on SoundCloud and YouTube at OUP Academic. Mm-hmm.